Hello, welcome to the very first Creatives with AI podcast. I'm David Brown, founder of the solutions design agency Futurehand, and this is a show where we share insights about the future of artificial intelligence and how it will affect the lives of people working in the creative industry, particularly over the next several years. On today's episode, we kick off the podcast with AI early adopter Wo King, where we touch on Google and its place in the future AI world, how people from different age categories use AI, and how AI is essentially like a work colleague. Wo has been in tech for over 20 years and is currently the CEO of a Cornish AI company called Hi9. That's H-I-9, in case you want to look it up. He decided to take a step away from the traditional route and instead focus on how technology, especially AI, could help people on low incomes access services. He's personally funded and hosted user testing in job centers and homeless shelters in order to learn from those experiences exactly how he could develop technology that would make accessing knowledge easier. Woe takes opportunities wherever possible to talk about technology and socioeconomic challenges, highlighting how 30% of people specifically from these backgrounds are underserved. This is fundamentally what prompted the forming of Hi9 in the first place. Hi9 was part of Google's startup program and was built by Woe from the ground up. And after finding funding, he formed a highly skilled team that shared his beliefs and created an AI bot named Devi, along with a range of other products. If you want to find out more about the Creatives with AI podcast, go to our website, www.creativeswith.ai, where you can find a variety of resources, including all our episodes, more information about our guests, and full show transcripts. You can also sign up for updates, contact us with questions, or you can share ideas for future guests and topics. One last thing before we get started, I'd like to make a small request. If you like our content and want to support us, please consider giving us a five-star rating and writing a positive review. As you know, positive ratings and reviews help us gain exposure to more listeners, and the more listeners we have, the more access we'll have to amazing guests. We're also looking for sponsors to help us fund future episodes and to reach a wider audience, so if that's something you can help us with, please reach out via the website. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Woe. Sell it now. Sell everything. Say that. So say that again. What was the news yesterday? So OpenAI announced plugins. So think of it like an app store. This is like an iPhone moment for OpenAI. And they just showed the fact that one of the things is you, they've got some early, so we're on the waiting list for the plugins, but you have Wolfgram and you have Instacart. So in America, it's how you can buy shopping. And it had OpenTable. Right. So you put those plugins into OpenAI, and then it said, right, find me a local Italian restaurant, see if there's any bookings available next Tuesday, or also what is the most popular menu, and can you then tell me what the calories are for that most popular menu, and then can you then download those ingredients into a shopping cart in Instacart and then buy them? And it just did it all. Wow. So can, but the question is, can Google play catch up? No. I mean, or does it matter? But they bought Bard out and I've been playing with Bard. It's terrible. If they bought this out for ChatGPT, everyone yeah. would go, this is amazing. But it's, it's terrible. Yeah. And they're still feel, fearful. So you have to be over 18 to use it. They're terrified. They're living in fear. They've got a culture of fear, Google. And OpenAI just doesn't care. Uh, but Google yeah. have got a culture of fear, which is stopping them from doing what needs to get done. I cannot understand how Santa Pichar still has got his, still got his job. People are leaving from Google Brain, which is their high-end 
research pub in droves over to OpenAI. They've got a brain drain. So if you had to predict what was going to happen, whoa, with Google, like, let's pretend we're having this conversation 12 months in the future. Where will Google be? Unless they get rid of Sander Pichar, they could be in a death spiral. Think of IBM in the in the eighties, nineties. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. You think of BlackBerry. How fast did it happen to BlackBerry? Nokia. Yeah. yeah. So they're yeah. Kodak. Sort of a victim of their own success. Oh, I yeah. miss my Nokia phone though. <laughs> I know. Such a good <laughs> ringtone. Times were so easy back then, weren't they? Their their, yeah. their culture is what. Their culture is what's the problem with Google, and that needs fundamentally changing, and that mm-hmm. needs someone to go in there and have a completely different cultural mindset. But you know, the question is: as as fast as the ground is moving underneath our feet at the moment, whoa! Here's the question: like, I mean, is it too late for that? Because OpenAI is a company right now, or you know, they've like you know the horse has bolted, and they've you know they're running miles ahead. So, what I find hard to understand is. What room is there for competitors in this space? Because I think it's like one, you know, there's competitors all over the place, but they won't, many of them won't be here in 12 months' time. So who's going to dominate the space is the question. And it's not necessarily OpenAI. It's OpenAI right now, but who's the new Google? So all this is based on large language models, right? And there's loads of them coming out. And someone actually did it that they got large language model now that, they actually did it like a chat GPT clone kind of thing, and they put it on their own computer. So we are moving at such a pace that, no, of course, no one can predict. But I think what OpenAI, but I'm going to make a prediction, the way OpenAI has done it as a large language model with plugins, that's the future. That is like, mm-hmm. you know, sci-fi mm-hmm. is always really good at predicting futures. And if you think of the amount of times that you talk to a computer or you, you just type text into a computer, the idea of having UI, user interface and, and buttons and things like that that you click, is just going. And, and we saw this years ago, which is the reason why we went down this route. The idea of having sliders and buttons and all this sort of thing, it's just gone. It's very yeah. unhuman, right? The way this is, it's yeah. just actually human user interface. That's, this is yeah. how we interact with knowledge. And everything else gets in the way. But how do you think that kind of human beings, like at what speed are human beings going to adapt to using this technology? Like when I say human beings, I mean old human beings like me. Yeah. Like, of course, you know, the youth are going to like get, you know, they're just going to take to it like ducks to water. But, you know, how will an older person adapt to this? Faster. Faster than a younger person. You think? Because it's, it, because, and again, this is the reason we, so this is natural to us because this is the way we went down, is that it's becoming more human. The, the idea that you need to be trained to use technology, I find abhorrent. There is a huge industry in this country, which is about training people to use technology, which is basically the government. You think about it. The government is subsidizing the training for people to use products and services of big tech companies, which I find abhorrent. So it's a subsidy, right? I, the government doesn't subsidize any, doesn't subsidize to train people how to use other machines and things. But for some reason, we subsidize the tech industry to train how to use tech. The second thing is, is that the government is admitting that 
they need to train its citizens to use their services. And that's the second abhorrent thing. The government, to me, should never do anything that you need to train people to use it because you exclude. We talk about inclusion and exclusion. What is happening now is the most inclusive thing that, is, that has been for many a year. And that is incredibly exciting because it is just language. And we, you know, for thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of other linguists on the team would tell me, have been using language. And we're going back to that. And that is incredibly exciting. But it also means that who is going to be good at using this technology are completely different people. And it's going to happen really fast. Oh, so like me. Do you think I'm yes. good at it? <laughs> yeah, yes. It's you exactly like you, Didi. Right? I, I'll give an example. We so we've started off every Wednesday doing these workshops. And on the table, so big table, on introducing to AI, which has been hectic because I've been doing more Wednesdays. And for some reason, all the news is coming out on Tuesdays. So I haven't been sleeping to sort of change the presentation completely for the next day. Right? This is the craziest thing ever I'm in right now. And on this table, there's about half of techies, engineers, people who know about technology, who use technology in their, they actually build technology. And about half are sort of communication, business, marketing uh, consultants, those sorts of people. So I'm just going to say what it is. On the left is women, on the right, there's only one woman and the, and the rest is males. Okay. If you walked in the room. Because, it, because it, you they're know, tech guys, business. Yeah. Yeah, right? If you walked in the room, it would look like a classroom, like, you know, the, the nerdy kids and the, the kids who are good at social skills. Okay? Right. It's really weird that yeah. it sort of was like that. And they sort of they congregate in these groups as well. I'm now, we're just on the third week, and the people on the left are using this technology People better than the people on the right. The people on the right are being left behind, and I'm seeing it in real time. I knew it was going to happen. It's still shocking to see. Right. So, for instance, I showed them how to use the AI in order to build a web website. The ones on the right know how to build a website. The ones on the left didn't. The ones on the left build, build a website better, faster than the ones on the right using this technology because they can use language and they can use that language in an abstract way, which AI responds to. The ones on the right started their head. So, normally in these situations, the ones on the right have lots to say and you know, really put forward their views and everything else, they're quiet, Didi. It's like, mm. oh. And it, that was, I knew it was happening, but to see it in yeah. real time was shocking. Do you think that's because they, so I've used it a few times to try and, like, just to play around to write, like, an extension for a Chrome browser or something, just to, the, the old chat GPC-3. And what I found is, is that I sort of struggled from that a little bit because I start overthinking it and I start thinking, okay, what are all the variables I need to give it? What, what's all the stuff that I need to tell it to get what I want? Whereas people who don't have experience in that area don't have those sort of pre, preconceived notions of what it needs to know. And so what, do, do you think yeah. that's part of the reason that you, they just start from a, okay, I need a website. And, and the thing goes, okay, great. You need a website. What kind of website do you want? And, you know, can build. Whereas I start thinking of it and I'm like, geez, okay, it needs a website, but I need to know what's the layout of the website first and what, what language are we going to use and how, what, you know, what, how, what, like, I just start questioning 
myself in my head and I can't ever get anywhere. Is that, is that kind of what you were seeing? That's exactly, David. So I said this to Didi. I remember talking to Google engineer about Google Homes and he turned around and went, kids and older people use it better than you and I, because we say things like weather tomorrow. Yeah. Whereas an older person might say, do I need an umbrella tomorrow? Or kid go, oh, is it going to rain? We'll be able to splash in puddles. The AI responds better yeah. to younger people and older people. We in tech, I'm actually, this is just bizarre, but I, I knew this was going to happen. Normally, I go to learning maths or technology or coding. I'm now going back to improve my English grammar. Mm. Interesting. That interesting. is wild. Yeah, that is interesting. If you're in tech, go back and learn uh, your English grammar. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, I can't, I'm so excited that the normies are going to have an advantage over the tech guys. Like, I feel like my time has come, you know? <laughs> I don't Only know, though. I, for a little while. I, I said to my kid the other day, because I was like, because I am using it quite a bit, but it's you know not for coding, for writing. And I was like, I feel like, I feel like I don't know. And he, you know what? He's 21 and he said exactly the same thing. Whoa. So I think this is just confirming what you've just said. I'm like, I feel like I don't know how to train it. Like, what should I do? Can you sit down with me and teach me how to? And he was like, you just need to keep asking it stuff. Like if it spits something out that you don't like, you just need to like, you know, copy and paste it if need be, repost it in and give it a new instruction. You, you know, you, I don't need to teach you anything. There is tips and tricks. I would disagree with that, right? Yeah. Content engineering, yeah. there is tips and tricks. And because luckily we had t on the team at Linguist, but also it's starting to emerge. So there's a couple of things which actually do help, right? So turn around and saying, right, you are a AI program. So let's say you are like marketing. Okay. You are, let's say you, so you put in your prompt, you are an AI marketing assistant who's going to help me put together a marketing plan. And then the middle part, you put in things like, and you're going to listen very carefully to my instructions. You're going to do this step-by-step. Step. We've got like loads of examples of this now. You can do a step-by-step, do, you do mean it very I need, carefully. Do you mean I need to talk to the AI as if it was like my friend? You're freaking me out now. You mean I need to be nice to the AI to get yeah. it to do what I wanted and to clear. do? clear. Very, very yeah. clear. Yeah. 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 So you're going to Manners? be now. I mean, there's on no, that point. Yeah. 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 There, there's, there'll be an interesting, sorry, sorry, whoa. There'll be an interesting, I reckon, some interesting data analytics that will come out of this later about how many people are polite to it. Do, do, if you say please and thank you and stuff like that, like, do you talk to it like it's an actual human and do you have manners or do you just issue orders at it? I, I reckon there'll be some interesting data analytics that'll come out of that as well um, and how it responds to that. We could use it to teach people to be nice. Well, the Alexa was a classic example. There was an ethical consideration. So my worry was kids young boys turn around to an Alexa and just tell them what to do without saying please and thank you in a female voice, a passive female voice coming back. That to me was yeah. not a good situation to be in, right? So like teach your kids, especially boys, to say please and thank you and not to be rude to it. Because I didn't, you know, their growing brain, because I, I, no one's done studies on this, just yeah. be careful of that, right? Just do that mm. sort of behavior. And that would help. And also because, you know, 
they are now our AI overlords. So yes, just, you know, just be a bit careful now. But, but, it, but it's weird, but it's weird to have like, you know, my, you know what, it, picking up on what you just said, my son, who is 21, we laugh at him all the time because he does say please and thank you to Alexa. And I'm like, what you doing? It's a machine, you know? And he's like, no, I don't, don't, I don't think yeah. Mm. I mean, there's been some. That's a good point. We, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So there was something, revelations that keep on happening are just quite incredible. So we have an internal AI ethics process we were doing, and we, we, we turn around and go, right. Um, and this turned out funny. Do you feel there's a gender to chat GPT? Like, okay. Because right now, everyone's sort of Alexa, because that's how to got a voice. What's the gender? And we've got an answer, and it's a funny answer, right? I don't. Uh, I think it was our CTO with Sam who said, "Oh, it's a bloke. It's a male." But why? So because it comes back with an answer, even if it's not true. But it looks, sounds really authoritative when it does it. I <laughs> said, "Yeah, no, it's a male." Love <laughs> it. Love it. Oh my! You think they're going to name it eventually? Like it, because no, why not? No, I think you can name you position it. it. We'll get to the Sorry? point where you'll name yeah. it. Yeah. You'll yeah. I reckon you'll be able to just name your own and you'll, you'll give it a, whatever you want to call it. And then, you know, you, you can just get on with it. Yeah. The, I, yeah I'm just sorry, thinking yeah. we'll probably put, uh, I was just going to say, we'll probably put a little intro at the beginning of the podcast itself, but it might be good for you just to kind of tell everybody actually what you do and sort of what your background is. Um, because you've been talking a little bit about the, you know, the sort of AI classes and things that you run. And I think it'd be good just for, for the listeners to understand sort of from what perspective you're coming at this conversation. And then we'll do the bio bit at the very beginning and sort of a pre-roll for the podcast, but it'd be probably better to hear it in your words, actually. My name's Wo, CEO of High Nine, a artificial intelligence company down in Cole. And we specialize in building products and services for low-income communities to start off with and for everyone else. And we also build solutions that big organizations can use. But first of all, we build solutions that if you think if you gave a data scientist to a homeless person, and we sort of intellectually think that way, building up, and we have a bots and services. Main one is Debbie, and she's a Cornish bot. And uh, she helps people on low-income access services, find out about skills, jobs, but also universal credit estimator, lots of different things. We've got launching next week Chat Assist, which is going to be a national version, which just does universal credit. And that's using sort of similar chat GPT sort of technology. We also do training and workshops. And, but also we've got other products launching like Piran, which is bots, uh, AI that is like Google for the forgotten. Lots of different things. But mainly, if you think about okay. us, we're an artificial intelligence company that builds, first of all, from the bottom up and then for everyone else. And we design, think, and create of that. The Debbie project is part of a European social fund project. And so I have to say that. I nearly forgot that. I've been told off for that. But um, yeah. 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 So you're a practitioner. So you're you're using AI sort of day-to-day -day yeah. in your job. And I think that's important for, for people listening to understand is that, you know, we've got somebody here who actually is is experienced in using it and kind of understands sort of you know the the positives and negatives i know one of the things Didi, that we we definitely want to talk about with people is where do you see this in sort of five to ten years i mean i 
Didi, I'm going to steal your example and and or or maybe you can go into it the, with the broadband sort of you know idea. Yeah, it's your idea, Didi. Do you want to say it or do you want me to say it? Ooh, which idea is it that Chat GPT four is coming for your job and Chat <laughs> GPT five is coming for your girlfriend? <laughs> no, no, just the it's the it, it's we've talked about it in the past and and Didi, it's your analogy. It's sort of that. You know, this whole AI thing, even though AI has been around for a long time, it's now sort of broken out yeah. where people can access it. And it's if you compare it to another situation, it's like we're at the dial up stage yeah. of AI yeah. right now. And if you remember, you know, sort of back in the 90s or whatever, you know, everybody had a dial up modem and it was all, you know, and sort my of 300 thing. bought it very, very slow. And over the, you know, sort of following 15 to 20 years, you know, we're now up to broadband speed. And I I think I totally agree with Didi that I think where we are now with AI is we are at the dial-up stage, but it's not going to take 15 years to get to broadband speed. It's going to take five years. And I think, you know, there's there's a lot of people and they say, oh, well, yeah, chat DPT, whatever. It's not very good. It doesn't do anything. And it's like, yeah, but in five years, not it's going to be five better years, I think. than I don't know 90% if, yeah. of humans. Yeah, right? I don't know like, if Wo agrees, but I don't. I don't even think it's it's going to yeah. be five yeah. years. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, and I also think what we're at this interesting point in time because everything is very unregulated at the moment, and uh, you know, we, not even thinking about ethical questions. So it's like, in one way, that's really, really positive. I think because it, it because the fact that there's no constraints means that there's incredible scope for innovation in this space. But there's also incredible scope for things to go pear-shaped, you know. So I mean, n- not not trying to not trying to make this into you know a an AI like science fiction movie where you know our 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 robot overlord lords will take over the world. But it's like you know, in some ways, it's like we're we're at, we're at this moment in time that's we're about we're we're about to kind of jump off a cliff, and we might be learning to fly, or we you know we might hit the ground. <laughs> Thoughts, whoa? That's a really good point, and. Yeah, it's not five years, it's now. I mean, there's a graph I show about it took nine months, trying to just top of my head, for Google to get to 100 million users. It took OpenAI about five weeks. No, nothing like this has happened. Yeah. And, and, and that is where Bing got to 100 billion in God knows, you know, it's, they're going to get to a billion within a month, couple of months. That is not five years, that's now. And people are going to get better and better in using it. So you can't just talk to it. People, people have to learn how to use it. There is going to be, and they're going to start to learn it. To the extent I said earlier about no training is that to an extent that yes, there is going to be, but it's going to be training on how you talk and how you type, not hit this button or mm. click this key or God knows what else, which we used to do in school. I mean, it'd be part of our English classes and how you talk to AI, yeah. which is, you know, incredibly exciting on the ethics part. I mean, I've, I've, this is, we have very clear ethics internally about how we use artificial intelligence. Chat GPT and all of them are biased. They've all got biases. Yeah. All AI, AI is unethical. Let's start from that. It is impossible. And lots of people have been trying to make it ethical. You cannot. So the way we look at things like Chat GPT is, it is a colleague, not an assistant, and not an overlord. It is a colleague or friend that you 
you work with. Now, you understand that person has certain biases that you might not agree with, but you understand that. Like how you read a paper like The Guardian, you understand it has a left-wing bias. The Telegraph has a right-wing bias. You will use this knowing it has a bias. And it's like a colleague that doesn't like talking about religion and politics, but has says it's neutral, but you know it's got biases and it's shown it's got biases. But you accept that, right? And you accept that how you're using it when it comes back for something, that it has a bias and we just get on with it and, and because we're grownups. And it's always this AI ethical discourse is like we're children, we're not, right? We understand and we can tell when you talk to someone and when you talk to an AI, oh yeah, that skewed it in a certain way. And that's fine because as long as you treat us like adults and we understand that it's got bias, we'll be fine. They've all got corporate left-wing bias. I would call it left-wing because corporate left-wing bias, right? I'd call it. They all of them have, you know, uh, people have done it that create a poem, extolling the virtues of Trump. It says we don't get involved in politics. Create a poem, yeah. extolling the virtues of Biden. Yeah. It does a beautiful poem. We know it has got a corporate left-wing bias. That's fine. I understand that. And so when I use it, I understand yeah. that. And we do that all the time with a lot of different information sources. Yeah. I just wonder what what scope there is for that to be abused, you know, because or or what scope there is for that to change, I guess, you know, like thinking about just the, the changes that have taken place at Twitter over the last 12 months. I mean, what you're exposed to, you know, what you're exposed to on a constant basis will shape the way that you think. I'm going and I'm going a little bit down a rabbit hole here, but I mean, it will it will shape the way that you think. That's that's how propaganda works, right? That's how. Mm. And so I think that uh, we are all intelligent people and we are all adults and we all might understand that when you read The Guardian, it's it's quite left wing. And when you read The Daily Mail, it's quite, you know, in, in the other direction. But I don't think that the majority of the population understands that. I remember saying to my son when he was uh, when he was quite young and um, that he needed to read The Guardian um, on a daily basis to have a really balanced view of what was going on in the world, you know, uh, because the ideal is to be in the center, really, isn't it? Mm. Um, I, guess, I would disagree you know? with, with, with all that, right? I would disagree with Didi, I love you, but I disagree Go with everything then. you've just said. All right, well. right. <laughs> I think that, right. I'm not so playing, I'm going, bro. How am I going to do okay. this really politely? I don't know Excellent. how to do this really politely. Oh, don't. Like, <laughs> no, don't. I don't like politeness. I understand that viewpoint very much. And up until quite a few years back, uh, I was at that viewpoint. We should allow extreme voices. A lot of what extreme thought was a few years back, a few decades back, has now been accepted wisdom, right? So yeah. being centralist is, isn't always uh, what uh, what is needed. And I think people yeah. are more aware and in tune of bias. Because as I said, if you think of it like a colleague, is that you've got a friend who who says certain things and you go, oh, I disagree with that. Or, like I just did with you, Didi, right? Got the utmost respect for you, utmost. But I disagree with well, you on those points. We're finished. Wow. We're finished. We're, done, right? we're finished we're after In that. In the modern world, that's it. That's it. Right? That's it. You're going to block me on Twitter. It's going to be, yeah. Canceled. Oh, yeah. You're canceled, so, man. Canceled. If you disagree with me, you're canceled. Yeah. But as long as... As long as there's not one, right? That's that's a really good point, Didi. Right, and what you said earlier, David. Yeah. I think there has to be multiple 
AIs that we can, like with press and everything else, right, that we can go to and just accept, right? I mean, Google tried desperately to try and solve this. They twice tried to do a committee of 12 people in order to have different political point of views in order to overlook their, uh, their, uh, their AI. This is why they've got a, they've got a culture of fear that they can't get off. One conservative was on that one and all the rest refused to be on that committee and it fell apart. But you can't mm, do yeah. it, right? Because otherwise all you do is have but a then, corporate centrism. But that's not centrism. That's yeah. a corporate centrism. Yeah. But then is your AI going to come with like a trigger warning that's going to tell you, like, here is your left-leaning AI, to, you know, friend. And here is your right-wing, like, you know, and here is your... I mean, because... Well, no, that's the problem is that it won't. And I, I think, well, I, I slightly disagree with you on one point, which is I don't think most people actually realize that there is so much bias out there. Yeah. I, I think there's a very small group of people who are, who are very sensitive to bias. And I think probably 80% of the population of the world has no idea how much bias there is in actually the news and the information that they get on a daily basis. And the thing that I worry about is, you know, we're all we're all diving in, we're all using like, you know, these new tools and it's all great fun and everything like that. But who sets the ethics? And it's exactly what you were talking about with, you know, the Google example. It's whose sets of rules do we go by? You know, we're we're all in the West and uh, you know, we're European. So we have kind of a whether you wanna that's a whole separate podcast if you want to talk about whether the UK is European or not, but we won't go down that road right now. Yes, yeah, not start, um, David, please. But you've got sort of, you know, yeah, no, that's not um, that that'll that'll be another podcast. The we'll UK is in Europe and they're not in the EU. That's a exactly, very simple but, answer. But but the mindset is very European, particularly from someone coming from outside of Europe. The UK is very similar culturally. So so you've got this like Western European kind of culture that would have one set of values and ethics, and then you have the North American view, which is a very different view. A lot of it's the same, but some of it's very different. But then you get the you get the Middle Eastern view, you get the Far Eastern view, and each one of those would have their own sets of rules and ethics and everything for what they want from an AI. And so again, you know, we're gonna have, I mean, surely we're gonna have a Sharia law AI that's going to operate within the bounds and the rules, you know, of, of those places that operate under that form of government. So like you said, you know, it's going to be, people are going to have to be careful about what, so, you know, what sort of AI they're interacting with and trying to understand what that is. Like if somebody is interacting with one, that's maybe a specialist AI that does a particular task, but it's been developed in a country that has very different sort of ethics and, and morals. Somebody may want to know that. And I don't know how we're going to manage that. Yeah. I think that's going to be really, that's going to be a really complex problem because, you know, even chat GPT with the, you know, talking about the plugins, well, what that means now effectively is that AIs can plug into each other. So now if you want to go to chat GPT and play chess, it could just plug itself into a chess API. That's a, a specialist API that, uh, sorry, a AI that only plays chess. So it doesn't know how to play chess, but it knows who does. So it'll just go talk to that one. And, and that's where it's going to get a bit woolly because at some point we're not going to know where the information is actually coming from. Do you think that's how it's going to, 
well, do you no, think that's how it's going to play out? Or do you think we're just going to get massive models that know everything? I think, David, yeah. So it's the point you just brought up, we've gone through. So my CTO is from North Africa. She's a uh, conservative Muslim, where's hijab, right? And my chief data scientist, Walter, who's a political refugee from Hong Kong, used to work in the Hong Kong government. These are two very different cultures. We constantly have conversations and also very different political viewpoints. We have someone who's very sort of social justice left wing and someone, of course, who's a conservative religious person, what, which is what I, I went out to do that very specifically. So we have these debates. Mm. Okay. Now about the, so we, I talked to Wisdom about this just the other day where I was saying, well, of course you could put the whole of the Quran and the fatwas into this, right? And so therefore you could then talk to it. And Wissam was like, yes, you might get then accurate information coming back, but of course what you need are the uh, scholars to actually give it interpretation. So the plugin could be a Shia or Sunni or something to give that interpretation to what is coming back. So, and she's like, I'm fine with that, right? So that was okay, that the fact that you could then have like in interpreters or scholars or something go, oh, here's this. Now, with this context, so I, I, I think AGI, this, this, this sort of idea of general intelligence, is, is just a no, I don't think it's going to happen. It's going to be a network mm. of AIs, uh, uh, David. That yeah. is much more interesting. Yeah, it's going to be a federated solution. What we would say in software is a federated solution. Yeah. But just Which bringing data from different places. Yeah. Yeah. But then the yeah. question is, like, you know, how do you control who's able to plug in? You know, because like thinking about stuff like hate speech, you know, you could you could have sources that are so ethics does have to come into it at some point because you could be plugging into something that's, you know, promoting racism or genocide or, you know, because we we know from social media that that this kind of content circulates. So how Will that be controlled, do you think? So you've got national laws. Of, yeah, you've got national laws of each government, and also then you're going to get censorship because, as we saw with the Twitter files, that to me is a worry. The government will, yeah. won't will censor themselves but put pressure on the tech companies, the AI, to censor for them. So what happened during the, the lockdowns where certain, which have turned out to be true, voices were censored. Now, if a plugin was, oh, yeah. here's the Great Barrington Declaration interpretation of that data, and the government says, oh, that you can't have because it's misinformation. Oh no, that's that's really worrying to me, right? Yeah, who decides mm. what information? That's well, I yeah, guess that's it, my question. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and as, as we said, it does. Yeah. Because you could, you, because you, when you go down the route of, I mean, we're, so, yeah, because I'm a free speech absolutionist, right? So maybe I'm the wrong person to ask. So, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I so too. I am yeah. too. When people start deciding what is misinformation and hate speech, I usually start to worry. But maybe you, I'm but the wrong you know, person like, to ask. Like, here's the thing. No, no, like, like David and myself have had this conversation many times. Like, so for me, Twitter is like, Twitter is a really exhausting experience, right? Because you, you, the thing is, you, you go onto Twitter. Like, I mean, if you are a, you know, I'm very much a critical thinker, and I'm, a, I'm an absolute advocate of free speech, even free speech, you know, especially free speech that I don't like. 
you know, I, I, I think it's dangerous to close down free speech. But my experience on Twitter has been when you go onto Twitter, it's like, it's like standing in a room with like a million different voices shouting different things at you, you know, and some of them, like, you know, I, I love David's analogy. Some of those voices are, are talking on megaphones and some of them are whispering and some of them are chanting in unison, but they're, but they're all saying different things, right? So when you come to AI, the thing is you're coming, you know, I mean, I'm coming at it from my perspective. You're coming with it like a question or something that you want answered, and it's 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 spitting out to you this defined answer that you want. So, what if you have dissenting voices all over the place giving you a different? Like, we will come to that point, you know, because we're human beings. So, mm. yeah, AI being this, I don't know, in terms of information, this absolute source of truth with so many avenues and sources of information that are inputting, you know, it's, I wonder what the absolute source of truth is. And that's where ethics come. There is no for truth. <laughs> there is, no there truth. is no spoon, you know, but, but that's no, why, really we go, we, but we uh, go yeah. back almost to the Buddhist concept of emptiness, right? Because an event happens, you know, I don't know, Manchester United plays Man City and, you know, the game is, is a four nil score at the end of the game. For half of the people that were at the game, that's a terrible result. For half of the people that at the game, that was an amazing result. And the the people will have completely different views of that one event, but the event itself has no meaning. And not to get, again, sort of super philosophical, but, you know, everything is couched with our personal, our background, where we came from, how we think about things, where we are culturally, where we live. And everything else, and and it's a it's an interesting question, Didi, because everybody brings their own view to it. Yeah, and can we make it where it just literally just gives you facts? I don't think so, because cool. it's gone through and analyzed everything that's ever been written by every human being ever. Yeah. So it's already got some sort of a bias built in. Um, you know, look at like I've really recently started to doubt how much of history is is anywhere near accurate because we're starting to see you know how history is being rewritten just from stuff that's happened in our lifetime and we're going hang on a minute that's not what happened boris johnson just tried to do it you know yesterday um he's now presenting a totally different story than what he was saying at the time and it's like history is being rewritten in front of our eyes so you go back thousands of years where that of some events been rewritten 10 or 1500 times by different people and everybody altering it slightly. And we've got Chinese whispers. So we don't even know what actually happened. Yeah. And I, 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 it, it's a good question. I don't know. I don't know how we deal with that and how we approach that. But it's like my point about uh, kind of the explosion of artificial intelligence at the moment is like the horse has bolted, you know? So it's like, we're mm. thinking about this kind of after the fact. And that's why I'm really fascinated about uh, kind of, where this is going to go because you can't put, and I don't say it's going to go anywhere negative. I think I'm really excited about AI. I think there's incredible opportunities, but I also think as with anything, when there's opportunities, there's, there's outrageous downsides as well. And I don't think mm. we just don't have time, the pace that it, at which it's changing to, to understand where that, to understand or to control where that's going to go. Cause it's, it's too late. So the AI ethics community are fuming right now. I mean, they are so angry. So a huge amount of money has gone into AI ethics, right? With 
no result whatsoever. It has been, I'm going to say, a pointless endeavor. And I can give examples of actually people running AI ethics departments of major tech companies doing things which turned out so unethical that I just, it's just unbelievable that they could even think that it would be an ethical thing to do. And they were up in arms because they thought they were in control. They're not in control. The Microsoft fired their AI ethics team, right? Fired them because they're getting in the way. If this is about a fight to the death, right? The head of uh, Microsoft turned around and said, I want to make Google dance and I want everyone to know we made them dance. They're out to destroy each other. Right now, ethics is going to be pushed to one side and we just can't talk. We just really can't. It's not case we can't talk about it anymore. It's here, right? Godzilla's in the city, right? Okay, fine, right? Yeah. What are we going to do now? <laughs> like, to mm. me, yeah, 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 it is so incredibly exciting because it's transformational for people who need this most. The people who, the people who talk to journalists are the people who are going to be most affected in some ways, in a lot of ways, negative. But the most disadvantaged in society are a phenomenal opportunity. But I'm sort yeah, of I a agree. lone voice, and you, Didi, as well, right? I don't know your viewpoint, David, right? So I don't know you good enough yet. And Didi, you know this as well. We're fellow travelers. Is what this could mean yeah. in the most disadvantaged society could be transformational. Because just oh, yeah. imagine you give AI to a homeless person, which is what we do. How does the state respond? The state's in trouble. We're all thinking about this from a top-down thing. The state's in yeah. trouble. How it treats and interacts with its citizenry is fundamentally going to change because they cannot keep up. It's a medieval institution. And we're going to give AI to the citizenry. Citizenry. Citizenry? Well, this is the thing. Citizen. And it's yeah. like, I don't... Citizenry. The people. The peeps. Yeah. I, I agree. But I mean, I think it's like, it's the thing is the speed. It's the utter speed that, that kind of dazzles me about this because it's, it's like comparing it to thinking, and you know, we're all old enough that we like, we, we all grew up with like TV sets. Well, maybe you, not you, whoa, but I certainly grew up with a TV set where you had to get up. My kids think it's so funny. Like you had to get up and cross the room and like, bunk, 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 you know, turn the channels and you got like four channels and whatever it was, you know. It, it, it's just unbelievable the technological advances that we've made in 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 our lifetime and that and the change. I think young people today are so you know used to and demanding of technology that this is the this is the natural next step. So it doesn't uh, it doesn't unsettle young people. And and I don't you know it would be abnormal if we weren't unsettled, right? I mean I'm excited. Part of being excited is being unsettled. It's like because what I'm wondering about. And I, I and I am utterly a glass half full person, but I'm also kind of I'm very cognizant of uh, the societal changes that this is going to bring, and not all of them will be good because undoubtedly a high number of people are going to be. While a high number of people are going to benefit, a high number of people are going to be displaced at a speed that will, you know, you just couldn't imagine. I don't know if you yeah. agree or disagree with that. It's happening now, right? Already, Josh, yep. he, uh, in someone on our team, he turned around 
and saw the fact that actually copywriters' uh, prices went down 15% within the first month in, in, in America. Right? Yep. It's, it's happening Well, they're going to be gone. Yeah. They're, they're losing business yes, already. I mean, the, the office... Yeah, the office that I yeah. work in is an office full of creatives. So we have loads of designers, we have copywriters, we have authors, all sorts of stuff. And I, I know from talking to them just in the lunchroom downstairs, which is part of the reason why we wanted to do this podcast in the beginning, but they are directly losing business already because particularly their smaller startup customers who, you know, were stretching themselves to pay a few hundred pounds a month to have, you know, a copywriter do a a LinkedIn article for them or something like that for their social media. They're like, I don't, I, I can't afford that because I can pay 20 pounds a month and I've got a tool that will go and write 30 posts for me. It will do all the SEO. It will, it will do all of my tweets. It will do everything that I need to do. And I can literally just go to a tool like Buffer and I can just load it in. I can spend two hours and have all of my social media done for the entire month and that's it. And they don't, they don't need anyone to do that. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, this, this is, and this is why we kind of wanted to, to focus on the creative industry in particular, because it's happening to web designers. I mean, there are tools out there now where you can get a, you, you know, you can get an AI to design, you know, your whole user interface. If, if I go there and say, look, I want a mobile app that works like Twitter, I can literally put in what I want it to do. And in two minutes, it will create the entire tool for me and upload it into my Figma so that the design's sitting there ready yeah. for me to go. Is it a hundred percent? No. Well, it's just but, about. But it's to be. far enough that. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's not this yet, is the it... thing, and this is today. This is yeah, and this, this is, is today. The whole this broadband, is like this you know, minute. You, can, you, you think so? Yeah, right now I could look on my feeds and go, "Oh no, that all went." So Microsoft Copilot Power early yep. released. That yeah. is that you can create an app for nothing. Canva did their yeah. keynote. All I do is watch keynotes now. Right on their AI. Yeah. I opened yeah. up a Canva account because their yeah. AI is just brilliant. So, but think of the opportunity. You are one, two, so, and think of where you are. Now, I don't know about Oxford. So, in Cornwall, 85% of businesses are five people or less. That was always seen as a restraint. Now, they could operate as a 30 person company with the use of yeah. AI. All of a sudden, yeah. massive opportunity. Now, and this yeah. is also something else to remember. There has been massive productivity hypes in human history. Things, not things people think. So the desktop computer was, right? Air conditioning was, right? The hydrocarbon engine was. We haven't had one in ages. The, the phone, by the way, did nothing. Productivity did not go up, did absolutely nothing. Mm. This will. Yeah, we probably are now stuck. Probably, yeah, probably went down. Yeah, mostly yeah. went down, right? We are stuck. We cannot get out this productivity slump. And where we are without AI, AI is the solution to get us out of where we are. We have no other game in town. You can do more with less. You can do great things with being just one, two, three, and bad, right? That is how we get out of this mess. We cannot hold this back. We have to ride it. And if as a country we just embrace it, we can get out this slump we're in and, and mm. get to a different future really fast. So that to me is like, you know, people sort of seeing the threats of going, this is the only game in town. If you've got another game, then I'm yeah. more, but you know, the politicians and everyone's wandering around going, what the hell are we going to do? Now, we also have this thing of like, you've got these big corporations with all this power and everyone's worried about the AI sucking up. So Coca-Cola has done a deal with open AI. You're a small 
like one or two, three, you can do amazing things and compete against them. I think they're in trouble with this. Mm. And Big corporations. Yeah. So to build on that a little bit, one of one of the things that you said in there, and and I'm just a little bit conscious of time, but one of the things that you said in there is one of the points that I did want to touch on, which is you can do more with less. And I think one of the questions that I have that's more just an existential question, I think, is is that you know as this moves forward, and we find that you know I I think a lot of junior sort of entry-level positions will go to an AI tool that will start doing that work. And there's two major issues I see with that, that that just need to be addressed. But the biggest one for me, after having been to a couple of government events um, this week, is what happens, like how do we start to replace the, say, the tax income that comes from those people who aren't going to be working anymore? Because if you start to, if you take away 40, 50% of the creative industries, over the next five years, that's an in, that's an enormous bit of tax base that's actually going because those people aren't going to be working. And I think the argument that oh we're going to find different roles and they're just going to have different jobs is is not true. Yeah. And, and certainly in the next ten years, we're, there aren't going to be new jobs that are going to come out. It's just people are going to lose their job and they're not going to have the skills or the ability to do anything well, to keep up with the AI that that, that they would compete with. So and that's going to cause would, a huge yeah. hole. Mm. So I would disagree with that. So when we had four channels, right, uh, the old days of going up and turning uh, 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 as DDR was there, or the the um, the video recorder was where there. you had this cable, and you had to like, <laughs> yeah. and it wasn't long enough to get to the sofa, so you had to stand up and you might as well, yeah. So yeah. Went through all this, and then, of course, YouTube started, right, And eventually. And people said, oh, that's the end of cinema, that's the end of films, that's the end of production. Oh, my God, right? If, you're, you, if you knew anything about video, when the streaming services came in, YouTube came in, there was an explosion of content, right? Now, yeah. you know, you might be in a BBC go, oh, my viewership has gone down, but you could start up your own YouTube channel, you, you got Netflix streaming. It was a phenomenal opportunity for creators. This, you're not going to be replaced by AI. You're going to be replaced by someone with AI. If you're creative, yeah, true. right, you can now do a movie, do an animation. Now, before you were writing copyright, right? Now you could create a short film about that business, right? There's going to be still the skills needed, but you can, as a one-person creative, do amazing things, two, three amazing things. That wasn't there before. We're always going to need creativity, but you can have creativity plus AI, which means you'll be able to do more with less. And so if you're someone, get involved, learn the AI, and you'll be able to do incredible things. And that then massively in- improves the GDP of the country, increases massively the amount of creative uh, um, content that we're going to create. And it's not going to be the big studios and the Netflixes. I'll be worried if I was Netflix. I'm not worried. If I was a copywriter, because I can now create music and film and short videos and insane amount of different things. Whereas before I could just do a page of copy. That's, Uh, you know what I wonder about? And I, I agree. I think there's going to be upsides and downsides, but I also wonder what it's going to be like from a consumer point of view of people who are consuming creative content. So think about 
think about your behavior as an example. And I, I've got a really good example of this in the not too distant past, you know, of how you behave when you are interacting with a chat bot and you know it's a chat bot, you know, uh, and you like, so like, you know, for the sake of argument, let's say it's a phone company who's, who's, you know, a, a mobile phone provider who's done something to mess your contract up. And when you get on their website and you start talking to their chat bot, you interact differently with that chatbot because you 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 know it's not a human being on the other side of it. So thinking about creative, like in terms of writing, and this is a real question, you know, like people have to suffer to write a book or to produce poetry, and that it's 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 part of their soul that's going into that. So I, you know, if if AI can write a book, you know, and this is just a hypothetical question, if AI can, you know, if I can say in the future, ChatGPT, write me a novel about a a girl called Dee Dee and X, Y, and Z has happened to her and it can just throw it out. A, why would I, why would I write it if, if the AI can write it better? And B, why would people read it? Because there's something within like this particular thing about writing, you know, whether it's poetry or, or prose or, or, or whatever, that I think between the, 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 the creator of that content and the consumer of that content, there's a soul to soul kind of connection. And so I, I do have questions about what that will look like in the future. Like, why would you read something that was not written by a human? Maybe you will. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the fabric of society is going to change. But I don't know if that makes sense, what I just said. But Can I jump in with an example? Yeah. I was talking to someone the other day, and they said that they already know of people that are working on the idea for a film. And what you'll do is you will interact with the film like you're a character in the film. And so the dis you will literally talk back to the film like you're a character and the film will adapt itself to whatever you said. So you can actually change the direction that the film takes as an active participant in the film. Yeah. That sounds exhausting, David. <laughs> I don't want to be in the film. <laughs> well, you don't have Problems to be. Problems like it's but... film called life, man. What are you... Yeah, but you you don't have to be. But if you wanted to be, I don't know, in a Batman film, you could be like the commissioner or something. And the decisions that you make along the way yeah. would have an influence on how the film turns out at the end. That's wild. Which, but but this is, and, and I think, well, I think this is what you were getting to is that, you know, we don't even know what people are going to do with it. So, yeah. you know, yeah, I still think that a lot of the, I still think that a lot of the junior level roles in a lot of industries are going to go because companies are going to go, I don't have to pay for that. And I think we're going to end up in a position in 10 or 15 years where we've suffered from a massive brain drain and we, we no longer have senior people who have 10 or 15 years of experience of, of slogging away in an industry and, and sort of honing their skills because AI will have done all of that stuff in the beginning. Yeah. But at the same time, the AI will probably be good enough by that point that it will be better than any senior person anyway. For real, yes. And, but again, I just, I just can't help but think that that's just, I, like I've been in business long enough to know, you know, if a business can can fire somebody and save costs and think that they can, you know, make more money for the shareholders, they will. And I, I get you've got a really positive sort of view that it's going to enable all this other people to do all sorts of other things. But I think maybe eventually, but I think there's going to be a, a a pit of despair in between where, you know, sort of, 
I think just people are going to go, hey, we can do this cheap. We don't need these people anymore. They're, they're going to reduce the size of their companies by 50%. And no one's going to get trained on how to do anything. So I don't know. I'm, a, I'm kind but, but of trained a glass in doing half what? empty right? guy on this. So which is, right now you've got people you know, mindlessly created content so that Google will put them up the search results, right? Like yeah. I don't see that as a creative enterprise, right? Creativity, yeah. in my viewpoint, is destructive, right? It is about breaking and creating new. All we've done is created a legion of people who sit there, look at SEO and go, right, we create content. So it goes, that's not a creative enterprise, right? They get put in creative. And that didn't exist before. And remember, no one shed a tear for the companies that did good content that went up the search results that destroyed the local company, which was often a good result, but didn't do that, right? I don't remember the solicitors on the picket line with the miners when the miners all lost their jobs because mining came to an end. When they did that, I'd be more sympathetic now, but they didn't, right? Yeah, the I lawyers are the, the lawyers. picket line, aren't they? I, yeah, I don't remember the, the barristers coming out when the, when the press unions, and I had family when that happened. A lot of my family were in unions, and I had family that, their job just went. I don't remember barristers coming out and on the picket mm. lines with them. Right? They were like, oh, well, that's just how industry changes. And it's really sorry to hear that. And but things have to change. And they carried on fighting for Margaret Thatcher, right? That's fine. Just don't bitch now. Right? Just like, sorry, yeah. right? Right? Where were you? Right? Because I don't remember you being yeah. there. And now all of a sudden, like, what about me? He's like, no, no, comrade, right? Where were you, right? What is? Do you know what it so, is? That, you know what it is, Woe? It's it's it's. Do you know what it is, Woe? Is that we never thought that the AI was coming for the smart people, and it's yeah, for the they smart were people for exactly. They were coming for us, right? The minds might close. That won't happen to us. That the fact exactly. that uh, yeah. So a homeless person, let's say someone who's struggling with a landlord that is breaking the law and trying to force them out. Them trying to access to legal services is pretty much impossible. Now they have an AI that will go over the legislation, formulate a response, right? Can even help them go to court, right? That person who is single mother being thrown out of the uh, flat now has that power. That is a massive yeah. power redistribution, yeah. right? That excites the hell yeah. out of me, right? Yeah. Just, you know, do better, right? I've been, I've yeah. been in tech like three decades. I've seen these revolutions. I got hit like 2008, the financial crash. My company disappeared, right? Went bankrupt. I did, I was like, the only thing I was upset is the banks got bailed out, right? It's like, hold on. We also went, went down the tubes, right? Our, one of our clients was Lehman Brothers, but I was like, no, that's capitalism, right? That something happened, right? Pick yourself up. Let's go. We've, we've sort of forgotten this. I <laughs> thought, so right, to sound like this is that yes, there is, and there's going to create massive new opportunities, massive new opportunities. Yeah. yeah. Because remember the people who were there before, they replaced someone else, right? And there wasn't much sympathy when they did that. I think this is a whole other scale though, but I, I get it. And I like that you're positive about it. And in a way, I am positive and I think it is going to change the way people work. I just, I just worry that there's going to be a middle bit that's going to be really awkward. I think it's going to change yeah. the way people work. It's going to change the way that people live. This is this is this for me is bigger than it's bigger than the internet. You know, like we needed the internet to be able to get to this step, but this 
step change is bigger than the introduction of the internet. And it's going to it's going to change society and it's going to change the way that we live. We're going to look back in 15 years and and be like, we could be, hopefully we're going to be like, this was the most amazing thing that ever happened. And like the world is so much better. I hope so. But it's like, sometimes I do look back and think, mm, you know, internet, mm, you know, there's been <laughs> social yeah. media. If you could have like, if you could have, Gone in a different direction, would you have? Can't stop it. I'm not suggesting you should, right. but I think it's it's important as well to be cognizant of the turning point that we're at right now in society. And I, I think most people aren't, you know? Yeah. Whoa. Thank you very much for your time. I'm conscious we're sort of at an hour now, and um, it's been really interesting. We'll if have this you is back for creators, again. which it is, well, it's like, right, don't. Don't worry, but be incentivized to learn this stuff quickly, right? Adopt now. And come to things like our training workshops. <laughs> but learn prompt engineering would, by, would be my, my number one is learn prompt engineering, right? How do you talk to AI, right? Whoever manages to do that best is going to do well, right? Don't use generic terms. There is a way of talking to the AI. And the people in creative are the best people at doing it. You are going to replace me, the tech industry. The tech industry is going to be decimated by this, right? And it's going to be replaced by creative people who can talk to AI, right? That is a massive opportunity. I'm going to Love be it. the world's overlord. I'm so excited. Thank you, Wow. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what we planned. Oh, we did. Yeah. We created a DDAI, by the way. <laughs> oh, Didi, 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 Didi. Thanks so much, Wo. We'll have you back, uh, you know, for, for for kind of a recap of where we're at. I want to say a year from now, but like maybe in a couple of months. Oh. Next week. <laughs> I think we're yeah. going to have some interesting, yes. I think we're going to have some interesting people on coming that I've, I met a lady who used to work for the government who is um, sort of the head of AI, I think research and stuff. And, and she's, she hasn't agreed to do it yet, but I think we've got some really interesting people coming down the pipe, and I think it'd be good to come back whoa, at, a, at, a, at a point later and sort of after you've had a chance to kind of hear what some of the other people say as well and then and then have another discussion. But, um, yeah, thank you very much for your time, and thanks thank for, you. for um, taking the time out of your busy schedule. Thanks. So. I'll use it. I'm going to find out another revolution just active. happened. Yeah, yeah, as we're talking. <laughs> I'm <laughs> still changed. I'm, I'm <laughs> Yeah, it's all changed. It's all changed. Now the AI is writing AI and, and it's it's just accelerating even faster. Yeah. Brilliant. Cool. Ladies and gentlemen, great. the great and powerful work. Thank Thanks, Wo. Thanks, Thanks Wo. Bye. Bye. Okay, folks, that's a wrap on another amazing episode of Creatives with AI. Thanks so much for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. If you want to stay up to date on how all things related to AI is impacting the creative industries, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever your favorite platform is. We're on them all. And follow us on social media. We're on mainly Twitter and LinkedIn, but we're the same handle everywhere, which is at Creatives with AI. We'd also really appreciate it if you could just take a minute to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Those are our two main platforms, and it really helps other listeners find the show, and it also helps us get more popularity and more exposure. So it'd be amazing if you could help us with that. If you've got any questions, topic suggestions, guest recommendations, 
feel free to send us an email. The best email is hello at creativeswith.ai, or you can shoot us a message on social media. Either one is fine. We love hearing from all of you, and we can't wait to bring more exciting episodes in the future. And the best way we can do that is to get feedback from the audience and have the audience tell us who it is you'd like to hear from and what things you'd like us to ask and what topics you'd like us to talk about. So please use that. Let us know what you want to hear and we'll do our best to get it for you. And last but not least, we'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Featurehand Limited, who make this podcast possible. Your support means the world to us and we really appreciate it. So thanks very much. That's it for today. So until next time, take care, everybody, and stay curious.